This is an SJC Radio production. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to episode six of season eight of Pit Stop. Uh, at present, uh, I'm joined by Joe. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. How are we doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Um, we're, we're expecting Finn to arrive to, you know, any second. Ed, I'm not sure about Ed. To be honest, he wasn't here last week. Um, I don't think this week. You, you don't think this week? I don't think so. You might have cricket practice or something. And we're expecting, uh, we've got a special guest this week. Uh, that's my brother, Stephen, who will be um, joining us in about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes time. Um, he's going to talk about, amongst other things, he's going to talk about World Superbikes. Um, right, now let's go straight to it. So let's go straight to Formula One, uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix. I know the, the top three, Joe, you know, Red Bull 1-2, Verstappen, Perez, Alonso third. Are you aware who came fourth, fifth, and sixth? Uh, Stroll came sixth, and then it was the two Mercedes in between the two Astons. Oh, I, I see. So that would probably be um, Russell fourth, Hamilton fifth, Stroll sixth. Yeah, Stroll was sixth. I'm not quite sure which way the Mercedes were, but I know they were in between the two of them. I mean, it was Red Bull 1-2. Um, um, I think Christian Horner would argue it was a Red Bull 1-2-3. One, 1-2-3-6. Two, three. One, two, three, yes. Because, um, um, yeah, they, 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 there's certainly some resemblance. Well, the he, car looks too good to critique it. Well, he, he made the comment, didn't he? He said it was good to see the 2022 car on the podium. Um, now, I've done a little bit of, I don't know how much you know about Aston Martin and the changes they've made personnel wise, but I'm always interested um, what it takes for a car to, to make that leap from the midfield uh, to the front of the field. So, I did a bit of research on the internet. And the answer is fairly obvious. Have you heard of a chap called Dan Fellows at all? Yes. So do, what do you know about Dan Fellows? So I know he was he was a, a relatively high position at Red Bull. He was. Then moved across to Aston. Yeah, he was the, I think, chief aerodynamicist at Red Bull. He's yeah. gone across to Aston right Martin. Position. And there we go. There was me trying to find out, you know, what is, I thought it might be quite complex, a whole series of, factors might have influenced the performance but i think that's your answer isn't it that you've mm, got the chief aerodynamicist uh from red bull now at aston martin um yeah and i think that accounts for the the gains in performance now what i found really funny is i think this is the uh the first week that finn hasn't put alonso down for a podium yes well we're going to come to that 
In fact, we're going to come to that now, actually. So looking at our predictions, we'll do it in reverse order. So um, Finn, um, he, he had Verstappen in second. Um, so that that gave him 10 points altogether. Joe, you got Verstappen second, Perez third. So you got two of the top three, but, but not in the right order. That gives you 20 right. points. Uh, my predictions turned out to be inspired. I just kicked myself. I didn't go for Perez in second. So I got Verstappen to win and I had Alonso yep. in third. So that puts me, that gives me 50 points and puts me top of the predictions table at, nice prediction, yeah. at this early stage. Now, I think what's interesting there, I was the only one who went for a, for, who went for a Verstappen win. Now, I wonder whether this is you you and Finn being young and probably being quite sort of optimistic, optimistic. about things. <laughs> and there's me perhaps being a realist. There's been, there's been many seasons where, um, you know, I, I, I've sort of hoped that uh, there'd be, uh, there'd, there'd be a, a, an unexpected victory for somebody and it sort of doesn't pan out. It, it, it's never sort of panned out that way. So there we go. So it, was, it, it really is a bit of a continuation from last year, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think we both didn't predict Verstappen for exactly what he said in the idea that perhaps he'll manifest something. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was thinking, Joe, could Red Bull win every single race this year? Could Verstappen win every single race this year? I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but... Oh, I, feasibly, I can't see that happening. But I mean, performance-wise, perhaps. Yeah. There's, there's mean... always going to be things where... What if Verstappen gets front wing damage in the first, yes. the, uh, yeah. first, and then Perez has a dodgy qualifying, yeah. and the Aston Martin managed to hold back? I think something like that will inevitably happen. Well, I mean, perhaps if you just look at the performance uh, basis, then that could be a possibility. Yeah, I, I mean, the hope is, as you say, that Aston Martin will get a win, that Alonso will get a win. If Alonso wins this season, it'll be, I think, it'll be if he gets a win, it'll be his thirty third win. Here's a question for you. Um, Let's imagine that Alonso wins a Grand Prix this year to give him his thirty-third win. What would be the, what would then be the time gap in years between his thirty-second win, his previous win, and his thirty-third win? Do you know? Oh, I'm going to guess uh, six years. It's more than that. What is it? It's ten years. It's ten years. <laughs> if he wins this year, it'll be a ten-year gap between. Uh, race victories. Now, the current record is actually six years or seven years. That The current record is held by Ricardo Patrese. Uh, Ricardo Patrese won the 1983 South African Grand Prix in a Brabham. His next win was in 1990 um, in a Williams at, at San Marino. So that, that's the current record. For, for gaps between Grand Prix wins. If Alonso wins this year, then he, he'll smash that record. Going on a typical pit stop off piste. Yeah. Uh, I presume that was at Carl Army. In it South was. Africa. And that's funny. Yeah, it was at Carl Army. The old Carl Army, probably um, when I was your age, probably my favourite circuit. Now, I remember that Grand Prix very well because in, in those days, I don't think the race was so shown live. So we just had the half hour highlights. So I would always video the highlights i probably watched them but i'd also video them and i was 83 so how i was probably finn's age in 83 maybe a bit younger i watched that the highlights of the 83 south african grand prix well i must have watched them at least 20 times maybe 30 times 
I just couldn't right. stop. I just couldn't stop. What what couldn't stop watching? There's probably the Grand Prix without doubt. The Grand Prix highlights I've watched more than any other. So I remember that race very well. In fact, right. I, well, Tracy won, but in all fairness, at that race, the championship was between PK and Prost. Uh, Prost hit some mechanical problems early in early on in the race, which meant that, that PK had won the title. PK was leading the race, and he kind of gifted it to Patrese. There was no need for PK to win the race. He'd won the championship because Prost had retired. Um, I think he allowed Patrese past him. He also, I think, allowed Andrea Ducesaris in, in an Alfa Romeo um, to take second. So and PK finished third in that race. Uh, so a race I remember very well. Um, the 1990 um, San Reno Grand Prix, I do remember that very well. It was a very eventful race, actually. Um, it's one probably checking out on, on YouTube, Joe. Um, very well, I think you've answered that question perfectly. And I was going to ask, would, would you be for or against Carl Army coming back to Canada? Well, I've been to Carl Army. Um, mm-hmm. Carl Army now is very different to the Carl Army of 83. Um, there, there are a few sections of the old circuit remaining. Uh, it's a good circuit. Well, in fact, it came back, Joe. It came back in 92. So 92, 93, they had Grand Prix at Carl Army on the new circuit. Um, and they are hoping, I think, to, to get Formula One and perhaps MotoGP back. Um, now, we've been here. We, oh, sorry, Joe, before we, we move on, uh, star ratings for the race. What are you giving it? I suppose it wasn't, wasn't a bad season opener by any, by any means, I think. Perhaps I would give it a out of five. We will say three and a half. Three and a half. Can I read a, a quote? And I just again, I found this random quote on the internet. It's it's, it's by it was from Facebook and uh, it's from the radio show Listeners Collective. Uh, a, a person called Tyler Stover says this about the race. I want you to react to this. He says that has to be the most boring race I've ever seen. Joe, do you agree? Disagree? Partially agree? Oh, I think I disagree. Yeah, I've seen way worse. I'm not. I'm not advocating that it was the best race I've ever seen, but it certainly wasn't the worst. There were some. I mean, I just watched very brief highlights on YouTube. There were some very good overtaking maneuvers from Fernando Alonso, weren't there? I thought so, especially as he overtook Sainz. I think it was in the last, you know, the dying laps of the race, and he got through at turn. I think it's eleven, which is where you very rarely see overtakes. And, the, and these, I think, these were non-DRS overtakes as well. Yeah, so even furthering our point to hopefully in the future now, a window to recording it. I only watched the very brief highlights. I got the impression, and this is this is a positive, that overtaking on the straight was actually much more difficult because they, they reduced the length of the DRS zone. Yeah, it made it more of a contest. Good. Good. Definitely. So actually what you want. So you're saying it was a pretty decent season opener. Yeah, yeah. I I'm not advocating that as I said, I'm not advocating it was the best race I'd yeah. ever seen, but to say that it was the most boring was that yeah that's what he said I, I, that's what he said so it's always quite good to take to to to, to take a quote where, where somebody expresses that an extreme opinion an extreme um, view yes what what, what what has struck me uh, was the lack of color i mean i was aware yeah, that we, we know that most of the cars are black but i thought blimey there's black no color or, or a very dark blue aren't all, they? they're all very dark aren't they and of course a night race with dark cars not much, not much color there yeah so we, yeah, the, right. I, the, the Alpine definitely stood out, and so yeah. did the McLaren. We need more colourful cars, I think. Now, we've been joined by my brother, um, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. 
Hello, hi Nick, hi, hi Joe. Hi. We, 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 we haven't got Finn. I imagine Finn's probably got issues. Um, <laughs> he does know he, he does know the recordings today, um, but he, he might suddenly appear. So, um, see, later on you're going to talk about uh, World Superbikes, but we're going to start off yes. with some questions. I think, Joe, you and I will take it in turns to ask questions. I'll ask the first one, Joe. And then, and then there's over to you. So my question to you, Stephen, is, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know the answer to this. How did you get interested in motorsport? Um, it's funny, I, 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 I thought you did, but um, I was, uh, it was at school, um, uh, 14 years old, so I guess the same age as, as, uh, as you guys uh, got into it. Um, one of the guys in my house was uh, really into Formula One and he'd been to loads of Grand Prix and he was, he's really, really uh, into it. Um, and he had um, the Grand Prix International magazines, which was the magazine that came out after each race and the kind of a central reading if, if you're into Formula One. And I, I just happened to be reading this thing and it was the, the British Grand Prix of 81 edition. Oh, yeah. And um, there was a picture of the two Renaults, the side shot of the two Renaults on the front row of the grid. And I thought, wow, they look really amazing looking cars. And I sort of started reading a bit more and about those cars. And then I was reading a bit more about the other cars and then suddenly I was really interested in it. So, um, uh, and I kind of got into it that way. So, um, the first race I kind of, I kind of knew about, but, but I didn't see it was the Canadian Grand Prix, which is the penultimate Grand Prix of 81. And the first race that I actually saw on TV live was the, the final round at Las Vegas, the new Las Vegas circuit, oh. of course, Las Vegas came back for this year. Yeah. And that was the very exciting sort of three way battle for the championship then. So um, it was the yeah latter part of 81. But really, it was just my mate at school who had the magazines and it was reading those magazines that I kind of got into it. Was, and, and, was, and it started from there, really. Was that Dave Anthony? No, it was Chris Yule. Oh, Chris, you're right. Okay. Chris Yule. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Chris, was, Chris had been to, I think he'd been to the 76 British Grand Prix. So they had the really? famous James Hunt, Nicky Lauder Grand Prix. Really? He'd been, and he'd been to all of them since. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Wow. That, that sort of segues me perfectly into the next question. Uh, and it would be to tell us about the first and last race that you've attended. Yeah, well, the, f the, f the first race was um, was actually the uh, Brands Hatch. It was the 1982 British Grand Prix. So my first race of uh, any sort was, was, was a Grand Prix. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, you know what it's like when you're, you're you first get into motorsport. You're absolutely obsess about it, and you you, you 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 completely live and breathe it. So to actually be there was just unbelievable. You know, um, you're going to see Louder and PK and Pross and all these people that you'd seen on the telly, and you were actually there. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, a, a few potted thoughts. Um, we, we turned up there on the Saturday evening, um, and we, we we camped in the campsite, and it's sort of quiet quite camps on everything and in the distance you could hear the engines being run up you know right. uh, which was really exciting so the, the cosmos being run up and switched off and then being run up again so again that that was even more exciting i'm there i'm hearing the cars yeah. you know probably going to be there um the race itself wasn't wasn't a classic by any means in fact i've i've read the, the, the grand prix national magazine about it recently and it really was it wasn't an exciting race it had its moments but it wasn't wasn't a terribly exciting race what struck me though and it ties in with something you just said re just now. Actually, was the was how colourful oh. the cars were, how <laughs> shiny and colourful the liveries yeah. were. The li um, there, there were classic liveries in those days, but you know the Marlboro livery, for example, you know mm. the, that was almost day glow, that orange. You just didn't get the impression on on, on on the television. 
but it was just the shyness and the sort of the brightness and the colourfulness of the liveries, which I think just is a bit thinking, now. They're all a bit dark and a bit matte, you know. Just thinking some of the liveries yeah. from 82, you had the, the ATS, that's yellow and white. Yellow and white, that's right. You had the, the Renaults were yellow and white. You had the, um, the of course, the, the classic uh, Marlborough and, and JPS, yes. black and gold, of course, those liveries, and you of had course. The, the, long the, since consigned this. You had the Liget sponsored by uh, Gitan. The blue of Gitan, the, that's right. You had the you, Rothmans marches. They're very colourful. That's right. You did indeed. You had that beautiful denim Ocella as well, that lovely yes. denim uh, Ocella. That, that, that's a, a favourite of mine. Um, you had the arrows in a sort of sponsored by... Oh, and sort of... it was it was Ragno, yeah. It was that orange and white yes. with a tiled livery. Again, a beautiful livery, yeah. you know. Um, so I think that's what kind of struck me, as well as the sound and the speed yeah. of it all. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, and a, a couple of other things. Um, uh, for example, in the Formula Three race at the end of the day, it was a certain um, certain person you've heard of, Martin Brundle, oh, was in that. He finished, I think, I think fourth or fifth. Yeah, in in, in that race. Um, and a, and a bit of a highlight for me was. Um, Derek Bell, who just won the Le Mans 24 Hours that year, did some demonstration laps, and then he, he parked up on the start finish straight, and then we then went to the pit walkabout, and then on the way out of the walk, pit walkabout, you walk across the track, and of course there he was. So I went up to him and got his autograph. Oh, yes, he was just sitting on the, yes. on the on the wing of the nine for the Rotham nine for six. Yeah, I got his on my race ticket. I think I've still got that on my race ticket. Yeah, so that was a bit of a wow. That's bonus. a good well. It was great, but yeah, I mean, just a fantastic. The red arrows were there, and it was just, it was just unbelievable. Of course, yeah, but no, the race itself was quite dull. Yeah. In, in those days, when you went to the British Grand Prix, there was a massive air display, wasn't there? There was, there was, yeah, yeah, there was, there was, there was, a, yeah, there was. There was a Dakota came over. I think Concorde came over. I think the red arrows were there. You had a Harrier. Harriers as well. Wasn't there a Harrier? Yeah, yeah. Clearway, sort of. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was very much part of the British Grand Prix. You would have this enormous air display. Um, that's right it was it was it was, a re- it was a real event and of course it was absolutely packed as yes. well i mean you know you, you couldn't move you know it was absolutely packed but it, uh, just a fantastic day and uh yeah the race was won by nikki lauder uh quite easily i think and there, um, there, there yeah, was, it was a it was, standout performance wasn't there by there was yeah de- well there was yeah Derek warwick in the um Tolman. in the tolman yeah. yes uh the, the, the terribly terribly sort of barely qualified in races and um and in the race, it actually got up to second place. He overtook Peroni at Paddock, where we were. We yeah. couldn't believe it. You know, yeah. it was um, it, it was a bit like the Williams overtaking. You know, to get up the second now. You know, yeah. so we didn't last long because, of course, about half half distance, it it, it, it it ground to a halt. But um, I mean, terribly, yeah, it was fantastic. So it wasn't yeah, a, we, we were going mad. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, a, that's right. It wasn't the car? Did they, did they nickname it the Flying Pig? The car? Did they nickname the Belgrano? Oh, the Belgrano, right? Which was the, the, the Argentine battleship sunk in the yes. Falklands War. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because it was so heavy. Yeah, that's right. No. Uh, the other thing about that race as well was it was the, due to be the first planned pit stop yeah. for fuel and tyres. Um, it never actually it? happened. It was a Brabham team. Yeah, it never actually happened because both cars were out by about <laughs> that seven. But they were they planned to do it and they bought the fuel churns and it was all very exciting. But it never actually, it well, never actually got there. There were yeah. a few races, weren't there, when we were waiting for this Brabham. Because Brabham came up with the idea, didn't they, that, hold on, if we start the race with a, a low fuel load, we'll go much quicker and then get a big lead. Then we can pit, That's right. pull up and then, and then win the race. And there were quite a few races where we were all... We're all um, waiting expectantly for this pit stop to take place, but the Brabham's kept on right. blowing up. I, I think Austria, I think Austria was the first time they actually managed to 
it was it was race. yeah so we had to wait a couple of races yeah to for it to happen yeah yeah so uh, but it was due to happen at brands but 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 never did yeah, yeah. and if we fast um, forward to your most recent yeah the last race i went to was again at brands hatch that was the that was the final round of the british superbikes uh in october um that was good it was um a good day it, unfortunately uh the, the championship was decided the day before on the saturday because they do a two-day meeting so when we went there on the sunday it was Bradley Ray had already won the championship, but again, great, great to be trackside. And I actually took my two little nephews along as well. That was their first time at the motor race as well. They were blown away by it as well. So, um, so they enjoyed it very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, okay, a slightly unusual question here. Um, okay. Can you tell us about um, how you spent the night uh, at Silverstone at the 1980 Grand <laughs> <laughs> Oh, crikey. <laughs> Oh god, that was um, yeah. That was, it was it was we um, we'd arrived. We turned up at Silverstone at um, in the evening again. Uh, we, it was the last day of school actually. It was we, we, yes, we it was qualifying, but we couldn't go. You know, we couldn't go. So we went up in the evening, and um, we picked up the traffic at around about the Green Man Pub on the dual carriageway. So it took probably I don't know uh, forty five minutes it was a, from there. It was to a actually, big plan, wasn't it? To, I remember it. Yeah, and, and, and in those days, Silverstone's access road was quite narrow. You know, it's not as much better now. And um, anyway, so it took us ages to get to the to the entrance of the campsite. Whereupon we met my two friends from school who bunked off school that day. <laughs> and they, as we were doing at the turn of the campsite, they said, "Look, come with us. We're going to the circuit. Come with us." And I, we said, "Okay, then." Um, and Dad said, "No, no, no. We're about to park the car." I said, "Look, you're going in there. We'll find you." when we come back anyway so we being young and a bit stupid got out the car went into the circuit had a look around and what have you and and it was great and we came back to the campsite we could not find the car we thought well it must be here we went we must have gone around it literally three times the whole, every car it was just and it was dark it was getting cold couldn't find the car so i thought well, what we're going to do so we thought look we're never going to find it. We'll probably find it in the morning. And it's probably about, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at that point. So we thought we'll, we'll just kit down somewhere and, and wait till the morning, wait till it gets light. And of course, the only place to to sort of sleep was, was by a sort of base of a hedge, you know, and there's a bit, bit of a dip by it. And it was absolutely freezing cold. Oh, it was gosh. it was midsummer, cloudless sky, only wearing tea. It was absolutely freezing. Because actually, because during the day, it was it was absolutely boiling, wasn't it? I remember it very well. Oh, it was very, very hot during the day. So you would have been obviously in T-shirt and shorts. In fact, I, yeah, I, yeah. I remember, here we go. I've got quite a good memory here. You were wearing a red um, T-shirt with um, sort of, um, what's it called? Like, like sort of netting design. Yeah, yeah. I've got Terry Sunbert on the race day. But we, um, but so it was partly our fault. <laughs> Partly not our fault. Because in the morning we woke up, we looked across the road. Oh, there's people camping over there. I bet they're in there. Of course they, they were, because Dad would be keen not to part with everybody else. And of course, we, we rocked up and there you were cooking eggs and bacon. The coffee was on, the tent looked oh Christ, the tent looked amazing. I mean, so yeah, it was um, I mean for me it was it almost was, uh, for me it was almost glamping because I remember, you know, I had a nice tent. I had a sort of um I think it was on a an inflatable mattress. I remember listening right. at my personal right. stereo, listening to Queen. She had a heart attack. The album, and I remember you lot oh. sort of uh, emerging in the morning, looking 
slightly bedraggled, to put it mildly. I know. It was absolutely free. I can't tell you. A cold, cold night. But the three oh, of you... Desperate. So, anyway, we were young and stupid, but, you know, hey-ho. The three of you basically <laughs> slept in a ditch. Basically, yes. Right, we've been joined by Ed. Um, Ed, you got, I think you got a question from my brother. Yeah, so... Um, hi, sorry for sorry for being late. Um, I was just going to ask, hi, why should we be watching World Superbikes? Um, well, uh, if you're into bike racing, I, I think World Superbikes is is the connoisseur's choice because um, there's there's three main championships really in Britain that that, that you can be interested in. MotoGP, that's obviously Grand Prix racing, that's the most well known. BT Sports show it. It's brilliantly covered, but you know it, 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 it's the most popular racing series. The other series in Britain you can watch is British Superbike, which is um, again has a big following in Britain. So if you like your bike racing, British Superbike is probably the best domestic championship of, of anything I think in, in the world. It, it, it's, it's been fantastic for for, for, for in the nearly thirty years. And the one that gets a bit missed out is World Superbikes, which in its day, in the Carl Fogarty days. Uh, and for those of you watching Love Island, Carl Fogarty's daughter's just been on Love Island. The legend that is Carl Fogarty, um, Superbikes was bigger than Grand Prix in the late 90s. Um, and in fact, my brother and I went to the World Superbikes at Brands Hatch in 99 and it, you couldn't move. Uh, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was too crowded. They also they also sold out of water, didn't they? Water, they did, yeah. As born, it, it was fairly horrendous, yeah. actually. It, it was a brilliant but horrendous. Um, but, but luckily from that, it's slightly dropped out of favour. And recently, with the domination of Jonathan Ray and Kawasaki, it's not really been that popular. I've stuck with it because I love it um, from those days. But now you've got two riders that have come in the last couple of years that are of Jonathan Ray's ability. And I've always thought it's because Ray's on the Kawasaki. No, it isn't. Ray was just a step above everybody else. Now you've got Top Rack and Alba Batista in the series where they are of his level and the racing the last couple of years has been amazing i mean it's been proper axe wielding um you know no holes barred uh it's been fantastic and it's going to be the same this year so and i'm watching it going god is this motor racing's best kept secret you know it's literally heart in the matter so um that's why i think it's the connoisseur it's the one you've got to hunt out but once you've found it it's it's shown on eurosport it is, yeah. And actually, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Stephen, th- I mean, this year there there is reason to be more excited about it this year than, than even last year. This is due that the the, the, yeah. the depth of fields a bit stronger, isn't it? Yeah, you got a lot lot, lot of riders coming coming from MotoGP across uh, it, 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 um, into the into the superbike class. So you have got you know Remy Gardner, Moto Two World Champion, he was on MotoGP last year. Um, uh, Ike Lacona, who was uh, a former. Uh, MotoGP rider, you know, some real talent coming well, across on, now. Because, it's, it's because the, a destination. The, the big name this year, of course, joining the championship, Danilo Petrucci. Of course, yes, of course. Like, how can I forget you, Danilo Petrucci? Of course, yes. Um, on 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 uh, on the Ducati. So, um, th- there's more people joining the party as it gets as as the racing gets better. It's become now a destination to, to come, and I, I I think if you can catch any world superbike, you won't be disappointed. I promise you that. It's um. It's great racing, yeah. It's great racing, on, and that's what really I like. On that subject, um, we had the second round at the weekend from Mandalika in Indonesia. I'm assuming you you saw the races. I did, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, they're very good. I mean, there's a slight worry that Ducati might dominate uh, or Alba Batista might dominate, but um, he won two of the three races. Um, he fell off in one of them. Um, but I still I still think there's all, it's all to play for. It's all to play for. Uh, the, the racing was really close as well. Yeah, there was some great racing. Um, I'll tell, tell you what, I, get away you what I enjoy, actually, probably more than World Superbikes, I enjoy the World Supersports. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I just yeah. watched the second race this afternoon and, and the racing there, it's very competitive, World, Super, World Supersports. And again, they've got lots of ex-Moto2, Moto3 riders. You mentioned John yeah. Lafie last week. John Lafie, of course, yeah, uh, who, who podiumed in his first yeah. race at Phillip Island, that's right, uh, which, which is amazing. Favourite with uh, Max, isn't he? We, he is. I know. I've noticed that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. He's uh, yeah. So doing very well. But um... now, um, so have you got any questions for the boys at all? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I was going to. Um, uh, I was going to ask Ed. Actually, I know that you're. Um, I've listened to all the shows. You know, I'm, I, it's great to be on. I'm a fan of the show. Um, I know you're quite interested in Formula Two. Yeah. yeah. And you're and, and this is up now. I know you're very excited about Sonoda coming to Formula mm -hmm. One. I was going to ask you: Is there anybody you've got your eye on in Formula Two that you think you could be the next, the next, the next best thing? You know, um, or is it a bit of a, 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 a season that's not no one's no one's really standing out? I, I think it, I mean, I Drukovic did a test with Aston Martin, didn't he, recently? Because uh, yeah, what's his yeah. name? Was... I think obviously the, the the name that sticks out to me is Oscar Piastri. I, I think he's probably in the, yeah. the last few years he's the biggest sort of talent that's come out of Formula Two. He's got the seat in F one. Um, with with McLaren and yeah. although his first race didn't go to plan for for <laughs> well for anyone really, um, I I think he's definitely got a, a bright future ahead of one uh, ahead of him. In terms of people in yeah. Formula Two this year, I I think we've had one race. It's it's hard to tell, but um, mm. we had Logan Sargent last year. I think he went a bit under the radar to be honest, um, but he's managed yeah, to yeah, get. For a, sure. A, a seat in Formula One, and he did very well, I think, on in on Sunday. So, I th I think he's got a future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's um, and um, are you still following Formula Two this year? I, I know, you, I know, you were you were following. Yeah, this. I I definitely think I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep going with it this year. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Joe, I was going to ask you actually the similar question that you asked me. How, how did you get into it? How did you get into Formula? How did you get into to Formula One? How, what what was it that drew you in? Well, my brother was gonna was watching it. We'd recently actually it was during lockdown. And we'd recently been upgraded to the, the Sky Sports package <laughs> where we had Formula One included. Right. Um, so my brother, my brother had always watched the Channel Four highlights, which you can get for free. And then suddenly we got the race live, and I sort of it's lockdown, so there wasn't too much else to do. So I sat down and watched that with him, and thinking, oh, this is rather good actually, isn't it? I watched every as the first race of the season, and then like watching every race since. So right. that's Austria twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, okay, which was um, so it was, uh, it was the first of the COVID affected races. Yes, yes, that's right. When they double, and I mean, you still um, you're a couple of seasons in now. You still are you still excited about the start of the season? Are you? I mean, this season is, is seems to be quite exciting. Although there's a slight worry that maybe Verstappen will run away with it. Yeah, run away with it. But are you still excited about? Start the season. Are you still excited about Formula One? That's a good question. Uh, I feel my excitement is slowly diminishing. Sadly, <laughs> probably ever since the Verstappen Hamilton race. Yeah. Perhaps it wouldn't be diminishing if there were a closer competitor to Red Bull. Uh, yeah. The midfield is still very exciting, I think, and it's very very close and competitive there. 
but I'm not sure how much of a fan, as much as I like Perez, I'm, I'm not so keen on Verstappen, but I, I can tolerate him for the, for the time being. But I'm not so much how, I'm not so sure to what extent I like the Red Bull domination. Yeah, yeah. It, I, unfortunately, I think the, 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 the last because I've I've moved away from Formula One probably the last sort of seven years, and it, it, that was at the start of the sort of Hamilton dominating year. But unfortunately, we seem to be in an era now where mm. you do get periods where you know Red Bull dominated for four seasons, then then Mercedes did. Now Red Bull are. Um, it, when when we first started watching it years ago, I'm, I don't think the racing was any better. In fact, probably the racing was worse. But yeah. what you had was horrendous unreliability. Yeah. So there was always a, a wild card element. You never quite knew who was going to win. Um, and also in the early these, days, so did these periods of if we go back to like the eighties, um, if a team was dominant, it, it wouldn't. It would be for maybe two or three seasons. It wouldn't yeah. be. For, I mean, Mercedes were dominant, and it was it six or seven seasons. Um, we didn't have these these sort of long periods of domination. I mean, take McLaren, their domination. Okay, they dominated eighty four, and that really and that that was it really because eighty five was competitive. Williams dominated eighty six and eighty seven. That was that. McLaren then dominated eighty eight. They had a run, didn't they, for a um, few seasons? You yeah. could argue eighty nine, and so you know, back in the day, a team might dominate for a couple of seasons, but no longer than that. Uh, I've got yeah, a feeling think... this this Red Bull Max Verstappen domination. I can see this going on for you know five, six, seven years. I, I can easily. I think. I think. I think because because Formula One so dominated by aero, they've got they've got the best aero guy, haven't they? And Adrian Newey. So um, I think, but uh, which is why I've kind of moved across to bike racing because bike racing is kind of racing without downforce. Um, although aero is coming into MotoGP a bit more, unfortunately, but I think it's it, it's the whole aero thing that I, I'm not terribly interested in. And 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 I think with with Adrian Newey, I think he um he's so good that I yeah you know, I can see it yeah, um, yeah been being dominant for a little while yeah yeah which is a shame yeah I don't know I I disagree I think they're going they're heading the right way certainly since perhaps 2020 with the new regulations about yeah follow and I have a pipe dream and I probably is a pipe dream about how they might be aiming to get rid of DRS that would be good to have a sort of close <laughs> where, you, where you overtake on merit rather than oh just absolutely I, I, I can I think these new cars I think I think there there's definite potential for that to happen I think with the old cars it was very difficult with these new cars I think yeah they I, I think they should definitely look at that or certainly massively reduce it I think yeah because you, you want it it's not like basketball isn't it basketball they're scoring the scoring hoops yeah. every yeah every few seconds and you, you know you know I think it diminishes the you know the, the, the effect of an overtake if it's happening every every lap. So no, I agree. Get rid of DRS totally. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all for that. Ed, in terms of overtaking, did you watch the race live, Ed, the, the Grand Prix? Uh, I watched the highlights on on Channel Four, but we don't have what, Sky, so can't watch any of it live. What was was there a lot of overtakes? I, I only watched the six minute highlights on YouTube, so I got no idea. Um, I mean, at the front there was there was very little. I think Verstappen basically yeah. led from start to finish and. Yeah. That was that really, but I think in the midfield there was there was quite a bit of competitive racing, especially between yeah. like uh, the Aston Martins and the Alpines. There's there's quite a bit going on there, but yeah, I think in terms of race up up front there was nothing much to to talk about. Not really yeah. particularly exciting, yeah. but everywhere else there was stuff yeah. going on. And um, yeah, so so you watched the, right. the you watched the highlights. I watched the six minute highlights. Joe, what, did you watch the full length? Yeah, I watched the the full length. Yeah, uh, I, th I thought it was enjoyable. Um, 
yeah, as, as I said earlier, sort of reiterating my point about how it wasn't, wasn't the greatest race I've ever seen, but for a season opener, I thought it was fairly promising. There was a... I think what, what, what I found amazing, I, I haven't watched any of it, but I, I know that um, Fernando Alonso came third. Yeah. What I find astonishing is that the, the last Grand Prix I, I went to actually see was the 2005 Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. And that was, bear in mind, that is, uh, what is that? That will be 18 years ago, won't it, in September? Yeah. Alonso was in that race. Yeah. So 18 years ago, 18 years ago, he's still racing and he finished on the podium. I don't I don't get that because careers were never that long, were they, back in the day? 10 years, 12 years. But it's astonishing that the last one I went to see 18 years ago, he finished, he finished third. This, I can't believe it. This tells us one of two things, doesn't it? Either it tells us that Alonso is an exceptional talent or it tells us that... Um, the, the input that a driver has into the performance of, of Formula One car is is sort of it's, it's very small and you know maybe sort of ninety nine percent of the performance is the car. I think you're as only as good as your car, aren't you? Yeah. Because yeah, um, all, yeah, all of a sudden Alonso finishes third. You know, um, all of a sudden the McLarens are nowhere. Um, I, 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 yeah, absolutely, and that's that's slightly what I struggle with. Yes, agreed. Now, yeah, this yeah. segue is quite nice here. Actually, there was another season opener at the weekend. Uh, Joe, you might have seen it because you got Sky F One. You aware that it was the opening round of the IndyCar Championship? No. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I recommend <laughs> go on to YouTube, watch the highlights because it was very, very eventful. It was from Saint Petersburg in uh, Florida. That's a sort of a street circuit part of part of it is yeah. is is a street circuit part of it is using uh i think a, a runway at, at, at the airport um it was a bit of a crash fest um or was it in fact there were two crashes where cars got airborne actually um it was won by a former formula one driver former south no no not grosjean former sauber driver ericsson marcus ericsson that was only his second win actually his, his other win was the indy 500 um, it was it was that's right but what was interesting in the race um i only saw the the, the, the six minute highlights and there, there was i said an awful lot of crashing going on but there was a lead battle between mclaughlin and grosjean there we go and i think uh i think was it mclaughlin was coming out of the pits um as grosjean uh, well mclaughlin was coming out of the pits grosjean was on track they were side by side through about the first two or three corners and that that was the battle for the lead, and the pair of them sort of took each other off. Basically, I think it was a racing incident. Neither of them neither of them would, would uh, give way, and they crashed out. And uh, I think Ericsson took the lead when Pato Award. Ed, we know about Pato Award. Um, I think he's the, 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 the McLaren IndyCar driver. He was leading. I think he had got a little bit sideways onto the start finish straight. Ericsson took the lead, uh, and then went on to win. But it was it was incident packed. Um, but the beauty about Indy cars, it, it's a spec formula. So all the cars are the same. The chassis are identical. Um, there is, in terms of engines, that there, there, there are different engines. There's the Honda and, and the and the Chevrolet, I think. Um, but that's a spec formula where, of course, the driver makes all the difference. So in Indy car racing, um, you know, your, your champion at the end of the year is, is going to be your best driver, not necessarily like in Formula One. Um, the driver who happens to be in the best car. But I, I certainly recommend watching the highlights. That they've got very brief highlights, six minutes long. They've also got a twenty minute highlights on YouTube, but um hugely entertaining. Um so, so I'd recommend that. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. I think um, I think if, if Indy Car was more available here on on some sort of platform, um, it's a shame. I would definitely watch. It's a shame it for me because they used to have it on BT Sport. And I used to watch all of them, and now now I've, yeah. Sky F One have got the the rights. I I, I don't get Sky F One, but um, I really really enjoy uh, uh, Indy Car racing. Um, there's not an awful lot on this weekend. I've got a feeling it might be the last MotoGP test before the season starts. I think it is, yeah, Portimao. Yeah, I think that is right. Yeah, and I think the um, the first race then follows, isn't it, the following week, I think. The following weekend. So, um, so this is only yeah. the, I think, the second test where the MotoGP GP riders themselves uh, will be on their on, on their race bikes. I think the previous tests have been done by their, their test riders. There are very strict rules yes. about how often the MotoGP riders themselves can test. So we'll, we'll get a much better idea of balance of power uh, after this weekend but i expect ducati to be dominant there um there's a nice concern isn't think... there that motor gp we think is going to be dominated by ducati again this year probably the factory team again this year we've got ducati domination in well super bikes um yes well super sports a bit more open though isn't it although it was a win again well even philip Island, they um Bulliger won both didn't he on yeah, the um but actually on, on in, in um in indonesia chap called Caracachulo, I think. He's on a... Oh, yes, Caracazulo. He's yeah, on a Ducati yeah, yeah. as well, isn't he? Yes. But it was a very competitive race. That Manzi on the on the Yamaha almost won. I think he lost the lead with a lap to go. But it was a very entertaining race. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope we're not going into a, a season of, of, of Ducati domination. Yes. But I, 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 there's a possibility of it, yes. Because yeah, we, we got, obviously, Red Bull domination in F1... Yeah, we're getting a little bit. Yeah, we don't like domination. Basically, that, that, that's the bottom line. No, that's right. I like a bit of. Uh, I, t- I tell you that I, I actually um, a, a formula which is which I like very much, and I, I know uh, my brother's sort of is, is Formula E, which I which uh, this season with the new Gen Three cars, it's a complete lottery. You never know who's going to win. Um, the, the, you never know who's going to be on pole. You never know who's going to win. Um, the last race at Cape Town was was thoroughly entertaining. So um, yeah, I'm 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 all about. Formula E this year. I'm, I'm, I've followed it all the way through, but this year with the new Gen 3 cars, they're particularly quick. And um, uh, yeah, so that's also probably the only single seat uh, Formula that I, I sort of regularly watch. But um, yeah, they actually look pretty good as well, don't they? The cars do look much better than. I think so. Yeah, I think, and they're good drivers, you know. And um, but um, yeah, no, you just you just never know. Not a clue each race who's gonna who's gonna be who's gonna win. Yeah, which I like a lot. Excellent. Right, I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for joining us, Stephen. Perhaps you can come back again. No, my, my, my pleasure. Great, great to be on. Great, great to see you guys. Um, perhaps you, uh, I've enjoyed it very much. No, thank you for inviting me. Perhaps you can come back and give us an update on uh, what's yeah, going on definitely. in the world of World Superbikes. Yeah, absolutely love to. Absolutely love to. Excellent. Okay, so uh, we'll wrap it up there. So until next time, it's, it's goodbye. Bye bye. The show is hosted, edited, and produced by Nick. The co-hosts were Joe and Ed, and the special guest was Stephen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. 
There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started. So head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well.